0: You're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. The title of the podcast is, Here is Practical Help to Restore a Broken Marriage. Husbands and wives have a hard time putting a broken marriage back together. Typically, the expectations and disappointments create a backlog of unresolved conflict When a couple gets to this point, pride becomes the unscalable wall between them. They have lost the vision for Christ and his church in their union. In this podcast, I have developed a reflective study I hope will help to tear down that wall that is between them. It is a reflective study, and you can use this podcast and the article that I'm sharing with you with any couple that you are helping. In fact, it would be a wonderful multi-week study for them if they are willing to work through it. If you are the couple that's in trouble, I know that there is a water, a lot of water under the bridge but also know that God can put back together that original vision that you had in your marriage. And so I trust that this podcast will be of help to you. If you want to read it, everything that I'm sharing with you, please go to the article on the website here is practical help to restore a broken marriage as always you will find embedded links inside the article that you can click on that will take you throughout our website to helpful articles that are pertaining to this subject In this podcast, which is marriage, I also have a video that I put together just this week, and it's now on YouTube. You can watch it. It's titled, The Number One Reason to Get Married. If you want to jump out to YouTube, please go to our page, or our YouTube channel, rather and you'll find over a hundred and something videos out there, and they're all free. All of our resources are brought to you by the Faithful Supporting Community, those people who give every month or every year annually uh, to our ministry. They are the ones that Well, they are the ones that cause our resources to be free, and we are churning out a lot of resources. For over 12 years, we've been pumping out content in all, all sorts of formats. And it's all available to you. And I just want to thank our faithful supporting community. If you are looking for a ministry to support, I would appeal to you uh, to support ours. You can do it for as little as $5 a month or $50 a year or anything above that. You could partner with our community as we are reaching the world with the practical message of Christ as this podcast is. But by all means, I do want you to share it with your friends. If you are about to get married, then please, please give this podcast and this article some of your time and also discuss it with your soon to be spouse you don't have to get to that place to where the water is under the bridge and the expectations have have been diminished and the disappointments are are really high in your life you just don't have to get to that place i was speaking with someone this week emily emily is about ready to uh, get married and about uh, well actually i don't remember the date that she gave me. I sent her a link to my marriage book called Get Ready, and I have a link here in this article that where you can go out to Amazon and order that book. And if your marriage is in trouble or if you're about ready to get married, I would appeal to you to do as I asked Emily to do is go get that book Get Ready. It will help you because it is a marriage book, and it would be ideal it would be so ideal for those who are just on the verge of tying the knot because it well as as we say around our home is two centers in a box and when you put two centers in a box for an extended period there is going to be trouble there is no way around it and you have to have a sin plan you have to have a plan to work through your sin and if you don't you will get to that place and unfortunately that bad place and unfortunately that's what happens too often in relationships Virtually every day, definitely every week, somebody is coming to us and they're asking the marriage question, how can you help our marriage? How can you help us? Because we're in a very bad spot and we can't seem to extricate ourselves from it. Well, one of the things that I would ask you to do is, is to read this article, study the article. Here is practical help to restore a broken marriage. And before I jump into it, I want to give you a warning, because some of the things that I'm going to share with you are very hard to hear. And one of the worst ways that you could listen to this podcast or read the article is with the word but at the tip of your tongue. And I just appeal to you that as you listen, that you be on guard for that temptation to say but. I'm talking about excuse making here. If your initial reaction to anything that I say points first to your spouse, you could be beyond help. Please listen to what I just said. If but is at the tip of your tongue or excuse making with whatever words that you choose, If that is where you're going with what you are about to hear, you are probably beyond help. Jesus talked about log assessment before any speck considerations. And you know the passage of Scripture is Matthew 7, 3 to 5. He said, why do you see the speck that is in your husband's eye or wife's eye? Well, he said brother's eye, but I'm inserting your spouse in here. Why do you see the speck that is in your spouse's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your spouse, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your spouse's eye. You think what I am going to say is hard and direct? Well, Jesus said, if you do not do this, if you do not do it his way, examine the log in your eye first, you're a hypocrite. And that is strong language right from the lips of the Savior. And so if 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 but is at the tip of your tongue, excuse making in whatever language you want to use, whatever words you want to choose, then you're not going to do it his way and you will not find the help that you desire. That's reader listener warning number one. And then number two, as you listen to this podcast, I appeal to you, do not map your experience over the situation. You must be objective as you listen because it's so easy to drown in your subjectivity, in your experience, and objectivity will go out the window you must separate yourself from your experience and listen biblically now i realize that nobody can listen purely objectively nobody is objective even on your best day your experience will it influence you And that's why I'm saying this, because I know it's true. I can only look through the lens of my experience. You can only look through the lens of your experience. But sometimes our experiences can be so heavy, so thick, so cloudy that we're not able to think biblically. And so I appeal to you to fight to be biblical and not elevate your experience above God's word. In fact, it may serve you well to share this podcast and article with a, with a courageous friend who is not afraid to speak the truth to you. And so reader-listener warning number one, don't have the word but on the tip of your tongue. Warning number two, guard, fight against mapping your experience over what I'm sharing with you. And then number three, before you go further, any further, even if you have to stop this podcast right now, ask the Spirit of God to help you with those two things that I've just mentioned. Tell Him that it's your desire not to make excuses or to be experience-centered. Your goal is to be open Honest, vulnerable, and willing to change, no matter how hard it may seem at first. Broken marriages require triage. There is no other way. And what I'm asking you to do is impossibly hard if your marriage is broken. And that is why you need the Lord's empowering favor. And guidance and I probably should add one more thing here more than likely it happens more times than not is that in a marriage that needs triage one person is ready to go and the other is not it is exceptional for both husband and wife to be in the same starting blocks of humility vulnerability and a willing to change And so more than likely, only one of you is at this juncture in your relationship where you want to change. But everything continues to apply, even if you are the only one at this point who wants to change. Don't say, but that would be the first excuse that you would come up with. I want to change, but my spouse doesn't want to. Please do not do that. Now, what I'm going to do in the remainder of this podcast is I'm just going to speak ever so briefly to the role of the wife, the role of the husband. And then for both, I have questions. And so I will start with the role of the wife. Talk about it briefly. I have some assessment questions for the wife. I will jump right into the role of the husband. I have some assessment questions for him. And then for both of you, I have a call to action for both of you to work on. And that's why I was saying earlier that you can really use this podcast and this article as a multi-week homework assignment, maybe a couple of months where you just dig in deeply for a couple of months and really work through not just what is written here, but also the embedded links, as well as the scriptures that's throughout this article. Now, perhaps you need that person to to mediate, to come in and to help you all. If you have a small group leader, a pastor, a courageous friend, a mentor who'd come alongside both of you, that would be fantastic. Let's talk about the role of the wife. The wife is analogous. To the church in the marriage. You know this, Ephesians 5. You've read it many times. And so the wife has the opportunity to model the church to her husband. Now it is true That the church is a reflection of the Savior's leading, his loving, his, his sacrificing. But it's also true that the church should be humbly responding to his leadership. And so if you think about Jesus Christ as being the head of the church, well, yeah, he has a responsibility. But Even if he does it perfectly, it doesn't mean that the church is going to reflect that perfectly. And you know that to be true without being disparaging toward anyone or judgmental toward anyone that you may know uh, who is in the body of Christ. You know it's very true. Christ leads well. He loves well. He sacrifices well. And even in a perfect situation of Christ leading the church, there are many in the body of Christ who do not do that well regardless of what your husband is doing now you do have the responsibility of humbly and humbly and lovingly responding to him now of course what will happen and it is true and I can hear some wives saying now that well my husband does not lead and that's one of the most common uh, negative issues within any marriage as it pertains to husbands. The passive husband is a huge deal. The passive husband is, is so common in so many marriages. And and, I, and this is where the wife would say, well, but, and this is where I've already warned you, don't do that. But my husband does not lead. I said, don't do that. I, I realize that your retort is a sad reality in too many marriages. It really is. I understand that. I've been doing counseling for a long time. I'm an old man now, and I know it's true, and I'm not going to discount that and say, well, there's no validity in what you're saying. There probably is if you're saying it. In those cases, the wife still has an obligation and an opportunity to demonstrate humility and love toward her husband in fact maybe it would be maybe it would be helpful to think about it this way you can love your husband in a similar gospel centered manner in which the lord loves you how does the lord love you well he he loves you when you're not responsive to him he he loves you when you're not meritorious of his love you haven't earned it you haven't done anything well in the last day or week But God loves you anyway, and so maybe you can imitate Christ to your husband even though he's not deserving of it. You see, to love only the lovable is where the culture places the bar in a relationship. They are the ones that have the what's-in-it-for-me worldview, and if you meet my needs, if you meet my desires, if you meet my expectations, then I may respond in kind, but if you disappoint me, if you don't do what I expect you to do, then I will not love you. That's where they have the bar. Christian spouses must do better than that. And so I will acknowledge those of you that need the acknowledgement that maybe your husband's not leading well, and he's not hitting the marks the way you would hope that he would. But listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, 32 and 33. He said, "'If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them.'" You remember what I said earlier? That is where the bar is in our culture. It is a very low bar. Jesus says, for even sinners love that way. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. That is Jesus speaking in in Luke 6. And so, wife, I want to give you some questions to think through Some things that I trust that that you will want to work through as you self-assess. Question number one, are you waiting on your husband to change before you biblically love him, or are you loving him even though he is not leading well? This is a—of course, this question applies to both husband and wife, but I'm I'm directing it to the wife now in this podcast, in this article— But I think about that myself Uh, when other people disappoint me. I'm not talking necessarily about my uh, wife, but I'm talking about my children or other friends that am I going to love them only when they change or start changing, or will I love them even though they are not meeting my expectations? And I think about how Christ, well, he did that for me for a quarter of a century before he regenerated me, and he continues to do that now this is hard. I said it was hard. This is triage, but some marriages get to that place to where they will hold back, they will hold out on doing what they need to do until their spouse shows some initiative toward change. Are you waiting on your husband to change before you biblically love him, or are you loving him even though he is not leading well? Now, this could lead to uh, a obvious question, and, and so I, I want to tackle the obvious question in my next question. If you do not biblically love him, would you consider how that attitude is counter to the gospel? Now, I, I do want to hammer this point of being gospel-centered. Either we are Christians or we're not. Either we're loving the unlovable or we're not. But I want to expand this idea of loving because here's the question that people will ask, or maybe they won't ask the question, but they will have a a narrow myopic view of love. And so let me ask it this way. Are you aware... That loving him well includes bringing discipleship care to him, which could mean you correcting him or going over his head to access the help you need in the marriage. Now, that's a long question, but I'm sure you got it. See here's the thing. When I ask you early, or are you waiting for him to change before you biblically love him, or are you loving him, even though he is not leading well? Notice I said biblically love him. because too many wives do not realize that to biblically love a husband, it means it, it means much more than just submitting to him or or whatever else you may think, but it also means bringing discipleship care, bringing corrective care, going over his head to get help. You're not loving anyone. If, if you see someone caught in sin and you have the opportunity, you have the relationship to be part of God's restoration team and you're not helping to restore that person, well, then you probably are sinning. And so loving your husband needs to be expanded for many wives. It needs to be more comprehensive because it may mean bringing discipleship care to him. And then finally, the last question, number four, do you realize the vital role you play in your marriage as you humbly allow God to work through you to help your husband mature? All right, so I've been talking about the role of the wife. I've given you four assessment questions. Now I want to talk about the role of the husband. Husband's picture, this. Pretend you're looking at a a picture, a portrait. Here it is, husband's. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. What a beautiful picture. It's a template for you to imitate. The prototype for what all relationships should look like in a marriage covenant it is the clearest and most profound picture for husbands and wives to emulate. I've been talking about the wife, but in this case, I'm talking about the husband. Let me give you those nine words again. It's Ephesians 5.25, or at least the first part of it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. The husband is the representative of, excuse me, the husband is the representative or a picture of Christ in the marriage. Analogously, he is Christ. Now, isn't that helpful? I mean, doesn't that like just clear all the debris uh, out of your mind and help you to think clearly? Dear, dear husband, have you ever wondered how you are to behave in your marriage, doesn't that clear it up for you? You are a picture of what Christ is, or or you are a picture of Christ to your wife. Now, all you have to do is imitate him. Well, 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 what does that mean? What would Jesus do? I mean, doesn't that give a new meaning to the overused WWJD marketing cliche from the 90s? What would Jesus do? WWJD? Paul gets, Paul gets right to the point. In nine words, he gives you the most comprehensive and precise job description you need to be a rock star husband. And so with that in mind, I want to give you a few questions for self-assessment. Question number one, in what areas are you appropriating the grace of God in your marriage? And what I mean by that is that you are you are humbly submitting to God, and he is empowering you to appropriate that grace in your marriage specifically to your wife. Or maybe you can ask it Or I could ask it this way, what is working well for you? What are you doing well? What you are appropriating the grace of God in your life, to your marriage, to your wife specifically, how are you imitating Christ to your wife? Now, if you are unclear, I've said it a few different ways to imitate Christ. Picture this. Uh, you, you are Christ to her, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And maybe you're not clear on that. Well, what you could do, you, you could take Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and you could read those nine elements there, love, joy, peace. All nine of those things in Galatians 5 represent nine different pictures of Christ. Christ is love and joy and peace and patience and self-control. And and you could list all nine of those on a sheet of paper, and, and then you could see what's working well for you. Am I demonstrating love to my wife? Am I exporting peace? Am I creating an environment of peace, of shalom in my wife's soul, that she feels at peace when she is around me? And so if you're not clear on what Christ looks like in the marriage, well, then just go through Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and practicalize it, make it real practical for how you are treating your wife. Number two, ask your wife for her assessment regarding regarding your imitation of Christ. Remember that the person who is truly gospel centered has nothing to fear, nothing to hide, nothing to protect. If you are living in the epicenter of the gospel, you are a free man. And if you are a free man, you have nothing to fear, nothing to hide, nothing to protect. And if you are gospel centered, then you'll have no problem asking your wife. Now, I realize that your wife has to be on board with this. If your wife is a natural, if she's badgering you, if she is not living a repentant life, I understand that you can't do that. But my my question is, does she see similar things that you see the way that you answered my first question about appropriating the grace of God in your marriage? And then if your children are older and, again, walking in humility, they're living a repentant life, Then ask your children their perspective on your replica of Christ. This time of collaborative reflection and assessment could be a wonderful time of encouragement, as well as opportunities to grow as a husband. Question number three, what are a couple ways you need to change to bring a clearer picture of Jesus Christ to your marriage? You see, the first question was asking you, in what ways are you appropriating the grace of God? What is working well for you? How are you imitating Christ to your wife? And then I ask you to ask your wife to see if she has a similar perspective as well as your children. Well, now the third question How about a couple of ways that you do need to change? If you're like me, and you are, well, then you do need to change something. And so my follow-up question, will you let your spouse know where you need to change and solicit her help? And then finally, question number four, will you both work together on maintaining your Christ-emulating strategy? Both of you, husband and wife, working together to help the husband maintain that Christ-emulating strategy. It is a challenge for many couples to model Christ, the husband, or the church, the wife, in their marriages because of their ongoing struggle with sin. They like the idea of what the imitation of Christ and his church could be in their marriage, but they struggle with the process that leads to that beautiful picture of Christ and his church. For some couples, they do not carefully consider their respective fallen natures that they brought into the relationship. As I like to say, you both came from the dinged and dented section of the grocery store. There are no perfect people that come into marriage, and so the, the, the wife brings something imperfect into the marriage. The husband brings something imperfect. They pour it into one container, and and sometimes it can really become super toxic now, there's good things, too, that they bring into the marriage, but it is a mixture of both good and bad from the husband and the wife, and so I trust that the questions that I've asked you thus far will help both of you to talk about your marriage discussing the things that i've shared thus far could open the door for you to experience the lord working in your relationship remember this what james said in in 4 6 god gives grace to the humble and so if pride keeps that wall erected between the both of you well there won't be any changes Both of you have to change, not just one. Husband, humbly lead your wife through the things that I've shared here. Wife, humbly put on a respectful and loving picture of the church, and may you both expect and experience new depths of the grace of God. And then I don't have time to go through the final set of questions, but at the end of this podcast, end of this article, rather, there's another set of questions for both of you to work through. And so you have more than a dozen questions that could really transform your life. And as always, if we could help you, please jump on our free community forum and it would be a privilege to do that. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and may God bless both of you.